was a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Constitution out the window, obviously. 
The government says that the border, where there is a long-standing view that the Constitution does not fully apply, actually stretches 100 miles inland from the nation's external boundary, and increasingly we are seeing the DHS vigorously utilise that authority. Today we held a press conference at the National Press Club in D.C. to try to draw attention to this problem and the fact that, as we showed, nearly two-thirds of the U.S. population live within the con this constitution-free zone. I don't know if people realize that most of the, the population is true in Canada and in the U.S. live across that strip, just within that 100-mile uh, strip across the border from east to west. It says that's 197.4 million people in there. We calculated this using the most recent 2007 numbers from the U.S. Census and released a map showing the cities and states that are enveloped by this zone. It includes some of the largest metropolitan areas in the country, New York City, Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Portland, and Oregon. This is um, states that are completely within this constitution-free zone include Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. When you say border, they think all of New England. CPB has been setting up checkpoints far inland on highways in states such as California, Texas, and Arizona, and at ferry terminals in Washington State. Typically, the agents ask drivers and passengers about their citizenship. People are also reporting that even after they provide passports or state driver's licenses, CPB continues to interrogate them and tries to pressure them into permitting a search. At a press conference today in the National Press Club in D.C., two U.S. citizens described their experiences with CBP. Vince Pepper, a retired social worker, told of being stopped and harassed by the border authorities at 15 miles inside from the border, the Mexican border with his wife, Berlantz. Craig Johnson, a music professor at San Diego College, told how he participated in a peaceful demonstration near the border to protest against the destruction of a state park so that a fence could be constructed along the U.S. border. CPB agents monitored the protest and collected the license plate information of those who participated. Since his protest, Mr. Johnson has twice crossed the U.S.-Mexico border, and each time he's been pulled outside for additional screening. So don't kid yourself that they're not watching you when you're protesting. I remember watching the BBC back in the 70s when they showed you old um, groups of protesters with the band, the bomb, and so on, and you wouldn't believe that they had every single person's ID. They knew who they all were. And it photographs from all angles of these people. That's how thorough they were even back then. So where is the, the right to protest and have peaceful protests and demonstrations? We don't have that anymore. They're going to harass you once they have you on their list. So here they go, expanding uh, the area of the border, this this big artificial imaginary line anyway that was basically drawn up by Freemasons. Walk along the border and you'll see their obelisks all along. That's how they mark it. Quite interesting. Uh, it's very, very interesting, but that's the kind of world we live in. And another article I want to read today is uh, a new deal. They always love to give the people new deals. New deals really... Uh, are replaced are meant to replace the constitution of the U.S. And it says here, United Nations announces Green New Deal plan to rescue world economies by Paul Eccleston. 
and that's on the 22nd of October 2008. A global Green New Deal is needed to transform the world's economies, according to a new UN report. So with the financial takedown, which is a takedown, it's, it's not a simple uh, evolving natural crash. In fact, no, none in the past were natural either. They were all caused by a few people. So I think we're going to the break now, and I'll be back after these following messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading a report from the United Nations with their new deal, basically for the whole world, of course. And the United Nations is a, a very powerful organization. It keeps itself in the background most of the time, but it deals directly with governments and bureaucracies, basically lays down laws and plans and gets governments to sign them. And it will be brought up to its proper prominence. The reason it was created was to bring in world government, and it will be brought up gradually, step by step, until it at least is a front for the new world system. And this article, as I say, is, is, uh, says uh, the UN announces Green New Deal plan to rescue world economies, 22nd of October 2008. With low carbon economy must be part of economic recovery, credit crisis is time to act on climate change, says Lord Stern, greening the global economy. So here we are, supposedly all crashing, and they've got this, these ready-made plans to bring all a new system out of it, a new economic order, which will also be green. Now, remember, the whole greening project is nothing more than a big stick to get everyone to fall into line with an agenda, a new type of uh, way of living, a new type of society, highly regulated, uh, where the individual will have to do whatever they're told by various NGO groups working on behalf of government. And... It's really the Sovietization of, of the world, a Sovietized system with millions of bureaucrats across the, the planet running our lives for us. It says it will be similar to Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal, which helped the U.S. recover from the Great Depression of the 1930s. And that's nonsense because the, really what recovered the U.S. from the Great Depression was World War II. They did the same for Britain. They went into total manufacture for armaments. And that's what got them out of it. War always gets fascist countries out of depressions. And that's in the books on economics. It says, but it would be aimed at a fundamental restructuring of economies weaning away from dependence on oil and towards cleaner and more sustainable sources of energy. The Green Economy Initiative from the UN Environmental Program, that's the UNEP, calls for global economies which invest in better care and management of the Earth's natural resources such as rainforests and oceans. Well, here's the joke with that. You see, uh, governments now are giving grants to farmers to grow plants for ethanol, uh, substitute basically for gasoline. And guess what? The farmers are going at it full tilt, so much so that they're not borrowing to grow crops anymore. So we're, we're heading for a massive food crisis. And they're feeling this in some of the poor countries already where the farmers are not growing the food for the people. They're all growing uh, biodegradable stuff for the new type of oil fuel that comes in from vegetables, the ethanol sources. And it's a planned takedown of society, including starvation that's coming along. They're not stupid at the top. They're not stupid. They've got to stop thinking that they're stupid and they keep making mistakes. 
they work all of these things out way in advance before they introduce the events themselves. It says here, rather than more boom and bust cycles and the continued acid stripping of dwindling resources, the new green system would nurture and reinverse best in them. It would focus a global economy, create growth, trigger a 21st century employment boom, what a joke that'll be, and at the same time combat climate change. It is claimed combat climate change. I wonder who combated the climate changes in previous times when they had ice ages. Well, what happens between ice ages? The ice disappears. Otherwise, you'd have a continuous ice age. So we've had many, many ice ages and warming periods in between long before human beings were ever around. Launching the report in London, the Achim, uh, Lord, uh, I think in London, Achim Steiner, UNEP Executive Director, said the worldwide financial crisis had created an historic opportunity to replace a system which had seen the world's GDP double between 81 and 2005, but which had resulted in 60% of the Earth's ecosystem being degraded, while 2.6 billion people were still living on less than $2 per day. So the financial food and fuel crisis of 2008 had been caused by speculation and a failure by governments to regulate markets, but they were also part of a wider market failure, which was eating away the world's natural resources. So this is all about sustainable development, that big term that's used by the elite at the top, the same eugenicists that want to bring in their lovely depopulated planet, where they'll have new types of specialized creatures bred for their purpose to serve them. That's what they're talking about, because eugenics is at the top of all of these big rulers within the parallel government. And you should go into the history of eugenics and look at all of the organizations that have been spawned from the eugenics movement. Read the books by Huxley. Read the quotes from Huxley about the necessity to kill off all the idiots, as he called them, in the 1930s. The same sort of thing that Adolf Hitler was doing in Germany. In fact, Huxley and his kind in Britain and in the U.S. were all for this socialist system that Hitler was experimenting with. They were all for the eugenics program. It was so, so much so that Huxley said that 99% of the lower classes basically were mentally retarded and they should all be sterilized. Quite the thing, eh? From this great hero who was venerated for his great intellect. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Last week I was talking about, again, the fertility rates dropping and plummeting. Not just in the Western world now, but it's across even in New Zealand, Australia and different countries. Suddenly, within a span of 10 to 20 years, the sperm count had just plummeted. Now, when something like that would happen in a real society, there would be a crisis, there'd be a call 
out there to find out what on earth was going on because this would be a crisis situation when they simply quote the statistics from the United Nations every year about the plummeting sperm count in males and have no comment to make up on it, you know, it's an agenda. And I've told people before, we're purposely being sterilized and you have to go into the eugenics movements and the big backers of it, the aristocracy guys like Huxley, who were heavily involved in drawing up plans and drafting up plans to go ahead with the sterilization of vast amounts of people to find out that they've actually been doing it. Now, obviously, since we're too dumb and stupid at the bottom, the common people, to just accept our place and be sterilized quietly, we make a big noise about it, then they have to do it with stealth. In other words, you don't tell the children what you're doing. You just go ahead and do it. And that's what they have been doing to us for a long time. It's the same with the vaccinations. The vaccinations, I'm sure, are basically weaponized weaponized materials which can go right into the body and attack specific parts of it even during and prior to puberty and alter things drastically. I read the article last week on the phthalates and so on that are in cosmetics that women use and with soaps and shampoos, etc. and how it affects the male fetus in the womb between the ages of 8 and 12 weeks and basically causes so many uh, general de- defects uh, it's, it's just incredible this is done on purpose because they knew the effects on these particular chemicals uh, back in the 1930s do your homework and you'll be shocked and then you have to ask yourself why are they still using them eventually you have to just accept the fact that everything that's happening is done deliberately not just for big bucks that's the common way to mislead you that it's just for big profits and big bucks. No, there's another, always another reason behind it. And if the elite didn't want this to happen to the public, it would not happen. Believe you me, it would not happen. Here's an article along the similar lines here on something in, uh, that's related to this from the Wall Street Journal. October the 23rd, 2008, toys containing banned plastic still on market. Restrictions on phthalates don't take effect until uh, 2009. Now, fears of reproductive defects by Nicholas Casey and Melanie Trotman. In February, 25,000 rubber ducks in Craig Wolves in inventory will be illegal to sell because they contain chemicals called uh, phthalates which some studies indicate harm early childhood development. Some say that some of them will call it phthalates, and, and phthalates, depends on who's telling you the story. It says, so the toy maker is liquidating what he can, discounting stock to stores that can place big orders. He hasn't destroyed novelty ducks, he says, because he believes the phthalates are safe. We never have any problems, he said. And that's your typical psychopathic answer, isn't it? He must rationalize what he's doing for profit. The flood of ducks hitting the market now, along with other toys that contain this chemical, in an un- is an unintended consequence of a law aimed at avoiding potential hazards precisely like this one. Last summer, after a spate of recalls, Congress overhauled the mandate of the Consumer Protection Safety Commission, the government's consumer watchdog agency, 
and ushered in big changes like tougher manufacturing standards for all-terrain vehicles and new limits on lead. Three types of uh, phthalates, where chemical additives that render hard plastics flexible, will be banned from children's toys and childcare products starting February 10th, while three other types of, of this will be temporarily prohibited from childcare products and toys that can be placed in a child's mouth. Consumer advocates complain that the law has ended up sanctioning a grace period that allows toy makers to sell off soon-to-be-banned toys rather than forcing them to dispose of them. This holiday season is going to be buyer beware, says Elizabeth Hitchcock of the U.S. Public Interest Research Group. And as I say, it's just astonishing to know that they've known the effects of these particular chemicals, which act just like hormones, since at least at least the 1930s and did medical studies and reports on them. And you wonder why we're all being bioengineered, how physically we're altering the male and the female, which falls right in with Charles Galton Darwin's agenda in the 1950s. He said they'd have to target the hormone structures of male and female. Well, they've been doing it. They have been doing it, and they still are doing it. And if you ever get anyone who's ever had a walk around, a tour around one of the big uh, pharmaceutical companies that make vaccines, let me know. Because these places are like, are like military camps with their security, massive high security. They don't release much to the public about how they make the vaccines. It's, it's very hush-hush. It's hush-hush as hush, hush, hush the Pentagon, basically. That should get your hair in the back of your neck up to start with for people who just want to help you, but they can't tell you what they're using to help you. People have got to start thinking for themselves and waking up very fast and participating in their, their life, their destiny, and this, the real reality that they should be creating, the one that really exists, the one that gets you past the horror phase and into incredible indignation. That's where they've got to go, or we're all done for. Long-term plans, intergenerational plans, that's how the big foundations, working on behalf of the elite and the aristocracy, that's how they work. Long-term goals, they work in centuries, but now they're on a roll, reduces rather quickly. Now we've got a couple of callers here. We've got Harley in Michigan. Are you there, Harley? Hello, Alan. Yes. Hey, how's it going this evening? I'm hanging in here as always. Yeah. As, as well as I am, too. <laughs> that's about uh, it, yeah. But that's the best <laughs> we can say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, because it's pretty, it's pretty tough. Listen, I, I, was, um, I wanted to make a, uh, a comment, a quick comment about what you're talking about. When you're talking about fertility, it's, I was yeah. thinking about, uh, gee, you know, I don't even think the Amish community that, that are here in the States, boy, I don't see the hands that have that type of problem. I wonder what the, <laughs> because mm-hmm. of the food, because their food is not, uh, has been tampered with and yeah. their food has been naturally grown. It, 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 it's, it's just quite amazing to me. I, you know, they still use the same methods they've been using for hundreds of years, yeah. uh, feeding their children, uh, breastfeeding them, mm-hmm. not putting a, a bottle, sticking a bottle in their mouth. And uh, I kind of find it funny that uh, where I work at, I won't say where, but, uh, you know, I've bumped into a young woman, 35 years old, breast cancer, both breasts removed. Yeah. The other one who's at a stage four breast cancer, 
she's going through chemo. A young man, muscular dystrophy, age 28. Now, I want to let everybody know this is it's real. This thing mm-hmm. is real. Oh, it's real. It's absolutely real. And, and all of the, the, these health problems just skyrocketed, took off around 1950 onwards, and it's accelerating. But again, when you go into the books by Galton Darwin, he goes through whether to use the food supply, the water supply, or inoculations. He covers every base. Well, guess what? They've done it all. Well, yeah, and, and not only that, if you even the book by Bertrand Russell, The uh, Science and the Impact of Society, even though in the, the, it's a little short book, Mm-hmm. But in the first in the first chapter, they talked about genetically using genetic genetically modified uh, 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 methods, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, and people still you know still enjoying their bread, wine, and their circus. Yes, and you know still watching the television, the sports, and the soap operas, and all that stuff. While these things are just mm-hmm. flying right over their head, you know. So. It was over their head, as I say, because they've been treated like children. They've been encouraged to be children. And it's unthinkable that those above them would actually go ahead and do these things to them. And as I say, from the elite's point of view, it's the only way that they can do it is through stealth and deception. They can't tell the children, we're killing you off. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And one other thing, and I'm going to get out of here. Uh, Could you talk about, and I'm going to take this off the air, could you talk about Jack C. Lowe's book? He did a follow-up book called Propaganda, uh, How the Men's of Attitudes, How They Are... Uh, being formulated and uh, um, Alan have a good weekend and I hope to hear from you soon later yes thanks for calling yeah a lot of, a lot of his books are, are excellent um, he does go through the sciences of propaganda uh, you'll, if, once you understand the sciences of propaganda you will realize that everything that you hear on mainstream uh, television and radio uh, by the news is propaganda and he goes through the ways that it's presented to you using basically psycholinguistics so the opinion that you're supposed to have will be downloaded into you and it will become your opinion. And it, it really does work on the vast majority of people. It's a book worth getting, uh, excellent book to get. And his other one, too, is, is Jack Zerlotti goes in about the law and uh, how the law really operates. And he talks about how the law works with propaganda. Uh, see, all movies and fictional detective stories, catching the bad man, murder, etc., uh, they're all propaganda movies to give you a false impression of the police. That's not what the police are actually there for. And he goes in to tell you why they really are there. And it's not for you. Now we'll go to uh, Joel in L.A. Are you there, Joel? Yeah, I am, Alan, and I'm doing okay, too, trying to trying to keep my spirits up despite everything. Yes. Um, I, I'm calling to, uh, well, I kind of want to riff on... Uh, Carol Quigley book that doesn't uh, get too much attention, but is actually, I think, considered by the elite sort of to be one of his better books, and that's uh, Evolution of yeah. Civilization. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason I bring this up, and I don't want to give people any kind of false hope, but I think in that book there's some keys, uh, or at least one big key, um, to maybe, uh, you know, maybe some kind of insight of some way out of the situation that we're currently in. And um, just to explain that, in Evolution of Civilizations, it's, he basically does an analysis of the rise and fall of, I think, like seven or eight different civilizations. Yeah. And he says the last 
stage, he calls it the stage of universal empire. And that's essentially when a civilization has sort of run out of ideas or it's run out of its kind of means of surplus of which it used to build itself up in the very first place. And in that stage, what happens is that, you know, the elite build all these huge statues to themselves and, you know, they talk about the glories of the civilization. Meanwhile, the only way they're sustaining themselves is by military action. And taxing the conquered countries, yeah. Right. And, um, you know, and one of the things about that is he says in that book that different civilization, uh, well, one thing about Western civilization is it has two or three times renewed itself in a way to kind of uh, counteract that universal empire stage. And what I see from the elite and the CFR and everything is it's almost like they recognize this idea, but they're, they're actually promoting the idea of a war of civilizations yeah. and kind of like it's almost like they're wallowing in this last stage. It's like they feel that they're in it and they might as well just uh, ride it to its end and I guess like, you know, just uh, sate themselves with uh, whatever excesses they can. But the thing about it is that I think the uh, technology that we've developed, like especially the Internet, is uh, some way that conceivably, you know, Western civilization could actually uh, turn the corner if we get, you know, this truth movement or this uh, just information out there, kind of like... I tell you, it would take a lot more than that. See, the big boys at the top, are taught all of these histories in great detail. In fact, uh-huh. you, you'll find that Quigley took most of his stuff from Arnold Toynbee, who was who had taught it long before him. In fact, Toynbee's father also called Arnold Toynbee taught it as well. So mm-hmm. they, they they understand the rises and the falls of great empires and civilizations, and their whole idea for the last couple of hundred years was to create a system that would not fall. It would be in perpetual motion, movement towards change. That's why you're hearing this term change all the time. They just simply don't tell the public what the change is going to be. So if they plan the future, they they, they truly believe and guide the future, then they can always be in charge of it and never lose control, always working towards something new. And that was also the theory uh, for Marxism with its uh, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, starting with the new thesis again, which comes out of the last synthesis. So it's an internal story, the never-ending story, and uh, therefore to keep changing things and building towards a new society and then another new society and a new society, then they can't fall. That's the theory they're working under today. But they have literally thousands of non-governmental organizations that have not only penetrated and scattered themselves all throughout the structures of society from your bureaucracy, your school board, your town council, the military, the police officers, uh, very much like the common purpose uh, group in Britain, that's what they've done, um, who are backed, I am certain, by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, and they're, they're guiding all social policy through think tanks and through these big uh, NGO organizations. So they are in charge of all the changes that we're going through and the ones that they expect to bring us through in the near future and even beyond. So this is a planned agenda 
that there's nothing happenstance or makeshift about it. It's it's planned like a military operation, and every phase and every every single social policy you can imagine has already been planned for the next hundred odd years and 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 afterwards too. Oh yeah, I mean I agree a hundred percent. But I think the one Achilles heel of all this is that. Um, you know, it's basically greed of the elite, I think, could very well be their eventual downfall because... The, the, only, the only thing that would bring the elite down, there's only two ways to do it, and that's if the public did it and put them all up on their crimes when you really find out what they've been doing to you and to the oh, people yeah, across the world, all... or, or else they start fighting with each other because, you see, the system is so ingrained in the public we have one system given to us. You see, we were born into it. We didn't uh, create it. It was already here, run by the elite, and they're not going to give up the power for any reason whatsoever. And uh, believe you me, uh, talking to them nicely and asking them to stop killing us is not going to work. Uh, right. It won't work. And neither will the Internet, because they're going to change that very shortly. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. It's not very pleasant, but those who want to know reality have to go through hell before they can see the light of heaven. And uh, let's hope we can get through this hell because it's down upon us. It's all around us right now. And it will get worse before it gets better. It's up to the public what kind of world they want. And it's the time we all participated because it's up to us. It really is up to us. If we don't participate and plan our future, the big boys will do it for you every time. And they will not give you a very pleasant future at all. You have no respect for people who won't stand up for themselves. Now we've got Richard in Massachusetts there. Are you there, Richard? Hi, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Yeah. Uh, Alan, I'm, I'm captivated by what you're saying about uh, fertility. I, I know a little bit about it. And uh, you've identified the consequence, but the method is, is rather uh, almost omnipresent. Um, there, there are a number of ways to uh, affect fertility, and uh, believe it or not, soybeans is one of the most efficient. Oh, yeah, I know. I've read, I've read articles, stacks of articles on soya. Yeah, yeah I've read some a, of them, too. Yeah, yeah there's, a, uh, there's a great book uh, done by a lady in New Mexico. Uh, it's called The Whole Soy Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not the end of it. It's, it's the fish, chicken, red meats, genetically modified foods. Oh, yeah. So you can, yeah. you can minimize these effects by avoiding some of these foods. Yeah. But you can't put a stop to it. You can't put a stop. I'll tell you, too, the inoculations as well. And Russell, Bertrand Russell said that, too, that they would also use the needle. Yeah. And that's the key to it. The children are hit very young, and uh, they're, they're never the same afterwards. Not just in that area. They're also uh, prone to allergies. Their immune system is shot because it's been heavily attacked. And uh, we find the attention deficit and all this kind of thing, which is just levels of autism blossomed 
from the, the 1950s, especially from the 60s and autism onwards until it's commonplace. So it's to do with the inoculations and the shots. And as, as I say, they've weaponized them. We've got to stop trusting these characters and realize that people like Russell and Huxley and the big boys of their own era, uh, they, they were well in with the medical professions and the psychiatric professions that were all on board on, for the eugenics agenda. So uh, the pharmaceutical companies were, were um, basically employed very early on for also warfare purposes, and it's been very successful. We're living through the time where we see the effects of it on everyone, and it was all done by design. Uh, that's the tragedy of it. Yeah, the genetic modif modified food with the pesticides in it too, massive pesticides, um, is also taking its toll. They're not stupid at the top, and that's what I keep telling people. Uh, well, we always say, well, they just uh, screwed up. They wanted, they were too greedy. People can understand greed, and therefore they want to think it's just all about big money and big returns. It's not. There's another agenda behind it. It's like um, Mandel House said, for everything that happens in politics, it says that there's always a very good reason, and then there's the real reason, and the public are never given the real reasons. We are uh, being depopulated uh, drastically, according to an agenda, and they've had world meetings uh, for a hundred years, which they've published their findings on, and they mean business. It's time we woke up to that fact. Do you well, think it's going to go down to 500 million? They will bring it down to that eventually. But there's the music for the end of the show. So from Hamish and myself up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.